You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Audacious dudes and dudettes of the internet. It is I, Nathan. <laughs> just, <laughs> just coming to you with this panel that was recorded at a con a few years back. Obviously, it's for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. This was before Bill and Ted 3 was released. I think it might have been before Bill and Ted 3 was even announced. I mean, if you want to get technical, Bill and Ted 3 has been announced for like 20 years, but no one thought that anything was actually going to happen with it. And I don't believe we knew at this time, this is 2019, that they were actually going to move forward with a third movie, but maybe we did at that point. I'm cheating. I haven't listened to the whole audio yet for the panel. But anyway, I'm presenting to you a con panel. Wanted to fill a movie slot. This is one of the con panels I recorded a while back. It's a really good discussion about Bill and Ted. It was fun to hang out with a bunch of other people who all appreciated the movie. And so, yeah, I hope that you enjoy listening to it. And without further ado, here is the panel already in progress. So how do we describe this show? Like, what's really going to grab people's attention and make them tune in? Nerdgasm for your eargasm? What? The spice must flow to be in the know. Um. Don't be a willow. Grab your pillow. But that one doesn't even make sense. All right, stop. Snag a seat and listen. The nerds are back with a brand new edition. No. Uh, okay, then. The Blurred Nerds Podcast. France raves, reviews, recaps, and other bits of random fandom. Well, see, that's perfect. You should have just led with that one. Resistance is futile. Listen to the Blurred Nerds podcast right meow. Fine. Make it so. He's going to be full of this kind of trivia in just a moment. Uh, my, name <laughs> is, uh, again, my name is Gary Mitchell, along with uh, Joe Crow. I am the co-director of the American Sci-Fi Classics Track, which is where you are. Thank you all for coming. Having a good Dragon Con so far. All right. Um, and my credentials are just that I run the track, so I get to be here. <laughs> uh, my name is John Hudgens. I'm a uh, documentary filmmaker and artist uh, and filmmaker. I've done a bunch of work for Lucasfilm and various other companies around the country. Uh, I'm in production on a brand new documentary about comedy improv. We just showed the trailer for it for the first time a few minutes ago. Uh, it's called Chair. It's about, it, like I said, it's about comedy improv. Um, but like I said, you guys mostly probably are aware of me because of my work on Star Wars projects and I worked on Babylon 5. You know, so I, I do a couple of things. <laughs> uh, my name is Felicity Kuznets. I'm affiliated with the Flopcast on the ESO Network and I've appeared on some other ESO Network shows here and there, mostly talking about Doctor Who. My name is Chris Cummins. I'm a writer for uh, Denim Geek and uh, producer and host of the comedy event Sci-Fi Explosion. I'm Nathan Laws. I'm the host of the 42 cast, which is your ultimate answer to fandom geekiness and everything. Uh, it's a show that talks about everything in comics, literature, 
TV, film, video games, whatever. We have a rotating cast, and so if you find that interesting, take a business card. <laughs> My name is Beth Van Dusen. I'm a writer, reporter, and Hawkeye troll for <laughs> NeedlessThingsPodcast.com. A great podcast. So we are here to talk about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. We'll also probably cover um, Bogus Journey and Station. 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 <laughs> and we'll probably and people will probably ask. We'll probably throw out a few guesses on the upcoming uh, face the music. But we're going to start with the original. Uh, and we're going to play the arm game one more time. We have more people coming in. If you see an arm go up, there's a chair next to that person. Uh, please get a chair so the fire marshal doesn't shut us down. Um, and I did not get to see it in the theater, but I did see it on cable. You poor sweet summer child. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, no, I was all I, I was alive when it came out. I just didn't get a chance because I was broke and a teenager. Um, but it's still when I saw it, it just was like this is everything I want. This is great. So, what about you? Did you get a chance to see it in the theater? Oh yeah, I saw it in the theater because I had seen. I think I had seen an article about it in Starlog because they were talking about this, this film that had sat on the shelf for like nine months because they, there, it was like some kind of back and forth between Orion and whatever the distributor was. And you know, I, I'd seen their article months before the film ever came out, and it was just like, oh, this thing's finally coming out. It was like, it was like th there had been a lot of films like that, like The Brother from Another Planet. I mean, th these things you'd read. Yeah, you know, there was no internet back then, so you'd read about these things in magazines and hope you got to see them, especially the smaller budgeted things. And yeah, so Bill and Ted was one of those ones I went to immediately, you know, when it finally, when it finally came out, you know, and fell in love with the damn thing. Yes, I saw it in the theaters. It came out my senior year in high school, and uh, I'm, not sh I'm not sure how much I had heard about it ahead of time, but it, we went to see just about everything in those days. And, uh, you know, my first thought is, hey, they ripped off the TARDIS. <laughs> um, yep. But well, they, I, they actually did that because they were afraid of ripping off the the, the DeLorean. DeLorean. Yeah. 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 Because the original, <laughs> no, the original time machine was uh, what was uh, it was a, it was a Chevy something? I mean, uh, in the original script. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, despite the uh, the kind of goofy ineptitude of the main characters, I really enjoyed it. It was my first exposure to George Carlin, I'm ashamed to admit. <laughs> and, uh, oh. It's always held a special place in my heart. Oh, George is one of the John. draws for me. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, I first saw it on uh, cable TV. Uh, science fiction comedy is literally my favorite thing in life, so this movie was definitely, uh, it resonated with me, and I've, I've seen it way too many times. <laughs> but can you see it too many times? No. And the answer is no. Yeah, I, I mean... No way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I didn't see the movie in the theater. I was nine when it came out, and uh, my parents. I was lucky if He's I got the to see. Sweet summer child. Yeah, <laughs> I was lucky if I got to see one movie a year in the movie theater. So uh, this wasn't it that year, unfortunately. But uh, when it came out, I absolutely loved it. I love anything time travel. And speaking of the Doctor Who connection. We know that Bill and Ted eventually get captured and turned into Cybermen because the 80s Cybermen are so fond of saying excellent. Oh. So. <laughs> but yeah, I absolutely love this shit, this movie. Beth? I also did not get to see it in the theater at that time. It was very difficult to talk people's parents into taking giggling girls to go see a movie to look at Keanu Reeves be pretty. So, I, you know, you also don't get a lot of information about movies from trailers. There was, there was no place to go get further information to know if I would actually like it or if Keanu Reeves was just 
some beautiful idiot. <laughs> so am I, the token old, am I the token old fart in the panel? I mean, I was in college when this came out. <laughs> oh, right? No, yeah, okay, yeah, you're the yeah, old well, fart. Yeah, well, I was, I was my senior in high school, so I was close. I'm the token old fart. <laughs> <laughs> you're our Rufus. Yeah. Rufus! Rufus. <laughs> Rufus. <laughs> All right, so let, let's tee off of that. I mean, first off, it's such a genius thought that, I mean, you so many times we see not stick with me. It's a time travel story like, oh my god, we gotta save you know, we have to prevent someone from getting killed, or we we've gotta kill Hitler, or we've gotta make sure your parents boink. Um, <laughs> and it's no, we gotta do a history report. Yeah. And well, past high report. school. Yeah. In a weird way, this actually uh, sort of ties in with my new documentary, not to plug myself, but I mean, Bill and Ted. Well, somebody's got to plug you. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Get your minds out of the gutter. No, but, but, uh, but Ed Solomon and, you know, Solomon and Matheson, I think, that, I think they were Groundlings or Second City, and yeah. Bill and Ted were characters that they did in their improv shows. I mean, these were just, and this was just them riffing. You know, and they loved the characters that the, these two surfer dudes that they would do every week in their improv shows. They just started developing stories about the guys, and it all sprung up. The, the, the character That's why the characters are so defined, is because they'd already defined them, playing them in games every week on stage. Mm -hmm. you know, and they became Bill and Ted. They just loved being these guys. Again, we do have a few seats left again. We're going to play the hand game. And if you see an arm raised, there's a seat next to that person. Um, take a chair if you can, please. But yeah, I mean, the nice thing about it is like the stakes are so small on, on that level, mm -hmm. but then the stakes are the entire future of the world rests <laughs> on these two guys just passing their history test <laughs> so they can make the music that will just save humanity. So it, it's such a wonderful story in that sense because it's like even the small things and two people that you wouldn't expect to be so important can make a huge difference. Well, and I grew up with a lot of sci-fi, and for a little while, the causality thing was really bothering me. It's like, wait, if Joan of Arc and Genghis Khan and Mr. the Kid all know what's going to happen and what to do, isn't okay. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't think that they ever. I don't think they ever got a chance to read any books while they were there. They just like thought the mall was like the most amazing thing ever. But Genghis Khan's got a new workout program. Joan of Arc's got a new workout program. This could change everything. <laughs> But is the it, but is time circular? They always knew this stuff, so this, this is always the way it's been. Well, well, see, my daughter it's brought the, that. Like, I actually watched this with my daughter this time, and, and she absolutely loved it, which made me happy. But um, she was talking about um, Beethoven and playing the synthesizer, and she's like, well, why wouldn't he go back and invent that? Because I'm like, there weren't transistors. So even if he knew that it was possible that this could be made, you know, he, he didn't. there weren't the tools available to do it. Fair enough. Chris? How did the uh, Ziggy Pig change the timeline? That's <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why Napoleon lost at Waterloo. I've wondered that for 30 years. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, not, not to have cheat sheets, but I, I did just pull up little things. Uh, but, you know, funny thing, you talk about the Battle of Waterloo. The, the, the trivia page on IMDb says uh, when Napoleon's doing his water slide presentation, He's actually diagramming the French invasion of Russia, which is his most disastrous of defeats. So. <laughs> Layers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think so it's going to work. The production <laughs> people were on this. They actually thought about some, some <laughs> stuff. Wow, there was actually thought for this. I don't think um, But it's, I, I just love that because it's such a simple premise. And it gives us an excuse to run around and grab all these odd characters and then 
I love the, the, the affection it gives all the historical figures. It, mm -hmm. None of them are really mocked. Oh, I mean, a little bit, but so everybody's. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. But then it just, the way it develops them, you know, we're all just dust in the wind. <laughs> like the sands Dance of the hourglass. So we're the days, days of our lives. lives. <laughs> uh, so it, it, it's one of those movies, though, that you can go back and watch and rewatch. And it's not that you're picking up anything new, it's just a fun thing to revisit. But I love in the plot, I think the thing I, I admire most, though, is the San Dimas time. Because that's always a time travel question for me. Being a Doctor Who fan, uh, you know, Back to the Future as the whole, well, what, do, does the Doctor actually age? Do you age as you go through time? And then the, no, we laid it out. It's San Dimas time. And an hour is an hour is an hour. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that? Anybody? Well, my daughter instantly came up with the problem with that is then you can always still go back to yesterday and then you can still live that over again. So it's still kind of, yeah. eh, but you know, they tried to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, don't think too hard. Yeah. 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 <laughs> time, time travel works if the plot needs it to. Right. <laughs> it works, you know, it, it's, it's like, you know, how, it's like, you know, People, people talk about the speed of fictional spaceships. They move at the speed of plot. You know, yeah. I mean, you need to be there by this point. Okay, plot makes it so. You know? <laughs> I got a little goofy with the you know, don't forget to put a set up the trash can. Over yeah, there. that's a little. Uh... <laughs> but the whole thing about that, I mean, that's that's just that's a writing. It's a brilliant writing sheet, but it's like you know, they put a button on it, they hang a lantern, a lantern on it, saying, okay, we acknowledge this problem. We're going to blow, blow right past it. <laughs> yeah, because we just want to get to the history report anyway, yeah. which, you know, if I was in that high school, I would just, I would have just been like, this is the most amazing thing yeah. I ever saw. I, I really hope no one had a presentation after this. <laughs> 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 oh, that's right. Because yeah. 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 you imagine trying to follow that. I mean, when Abe Lincoln yeah. tells you, be excellent to each other, party on, dude. I mean, yeah. you can't follow that up. You just have to take the F at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think one of the things that I, I find most interesting about this movie and it becoming a success is like this is a movie that, from a Hollywood point of view, is, especially like Orion, it's a dumb teen, teen comedy that they felt had no potential whatsoever. Mm. It, like, like, uh, like was mentioned, it, it sat on the shelf for ages. And then it comes out, and not only is it is a success, it becomes this enduring pop culture phenomenon uh, that spawns, you know, the sequels and the, uh, the there was a, a live action TV show that we just found out went for seven episodes. I didn't realize it went past the pilot. And the uh, and <laughs> oh, no, the third the episode cartoon. is actually the best one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and and like I, I just think it's really interesting because no one really expected too much from this movie. And I think the fact that there weren't high expectations let a lot of really clever stuff get through in terms of the, the, the casting, the uh, characterizations, you know, that spawned from what you were saying yeah. about their, their improv. And this movie has no right to be as entertaining as it is. Look, it's not Hamburger the Motion Picture. It's <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But from a Hollywood point of view, this was a movie that almost just was direct-to-video. Well, yeah, and, and on that, but the, the weird thing on that is one thing most people probably never notice about it, you know, you talk about being straight to video. Most things like this back then were shot. They were shot flat, you know, they were shot, you know, in a you know, the standard 185 to 1 aspect ratio, and usually shot open mat, you know, so they could be easily done for television. Bill and Ted's scope, I mean, it's a 235 to 1 wide screen scope. They didn't do that for the second one, but, you know, it's like, 
uh, low they budget made the Circle K look good. Yeah, but <laughs> low, low budget movies like this never shot in scope back then. So it's like somebody in the production was like had a little bit of faith in it. Yeah. The human race loves the dumbest things the most. I mean, there's just so many fun, weird things they throw in there, though. Like the whole thing about Missy, you know, and it's like, that's your <laughs> mom, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I was going to bring up Missy as one of the few things that I think doesn't age that yeah. well. The other one is that um, once when Bill finds out Ted isn't dead, they hug yeah, and then same. he's a gay slur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, of uh, movies from that era, a lot. Uh, here's the thing: is especially comedies. A lot of movies don't age well. Mm -hmm. Comedies yeah. almost, almost never yeah. age it's well. The most They're, perishable genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and stuff. You know, it was funny at the time, or if it's a reference to something else. Bill and Ted is one of the ones that does age well because a lot of it is not based on pop culture references, and it doesn't have a lot of bits like right, that. Nothing, mm -hmm. nothing else it's, really problematic. Like, try to watch Airplane. <laughs> I love airplanes. Porky. Oh my god. <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, oh god. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't like Revenge of the Nerds at the time, but I'm a weirdo. <laughs> but yeah, it's so it, it for me that's one of the things that makes the movie precious is it's one of those that is kind of a bit of a cultural touchstone and that has weathered the test the test of time <laughs> quite well, pardon the expression. Um so my favorite character, thinking about it, it, it's hard because it's all they're all really good characters. But if I had to pick one, um, it's got to be Rufus. Yeah. Mm. yeah. He's just, George Carlin is having a ball, and he's cool. <laughs> Any thoughts on Rufus from anybody? Well, I, I remember reading somewhere that you know it was an accident that they got him. I mean, you know, they they, they had been lo they had like been looking to like people, cast people like Sean Connery, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like one of these offhand suggestions of somebody that you know mentioned George Carlin. Everybody's like, huh? Well, because you know George Carlin was not an actor. I mean, really. I mean, he was a, he was a st he was a stand up. I mean, almost always has been. And th I, as far as I remember, this is like one like one of his first acting. One of his very first, yeah. I, I think it's interesting that you know he's he's this great comedian who's also a countercultural uh, counter icon. Yeah. And here he is in this in this movie, and he delivers this performance that is not only super funny, it's packed with genuine heart. Yeah. And and like I really love that about Rufus. Like Rufus is the guy you want to know. Like you want this guy to be like Bill and Ted. If you had them in your life, it would be a bit problematic. <laughs> but you know, like they. they yeah, they'd be a bit of a handful, but with but with Rufus, it's like yeah, you know, Rufus gives you the the feeling that like yeah, everything's gonna be be fine. You need they need that guiding presence when they're you know basically have the weight of the future on their shoulders. I, I'm never gonna get out of my head now the idea of you know Rufus delivering lines like my daughters are fans of the bands, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Carlin, I mean, you know, I, I love that it's so understated that he's so deadpan about so many of the things, but then you're right, there's like the few moments where he's just like, you know, remember to dial one number ahead, you know, he's like, he's like, guys, come on, you well, know, Rufus, he's got like... Rufus already knows how this all plays out because right. it's happened, you know, he's just sort of, you know, he's just... You know, filling in the blanks, making sure that mm. you know, ticking the box. You know. 
He, he makes the best guitar faces at the end. Right. <laughs> they're so bad, but they're yeah. so good. <laughs> that was one of the things that, I, that amused me most when I recently rewatched. I'm like, oh, like at the time I wouldn't have noticed they're cutting from his face to someone else's hands, but right. it's, it couldn't so be good. more obvious. It's so yeah. obvious now. Uh, you, who's your favorite? Oh, uh, I'm actually going to have to go from the second film because I, I prefer that one. I mean, I, I like them both, but I mean, William Sadler just kills the death. I mean, and I'm so glad they got him back for number three. Yeah. <laughs> William Sadler is a treasure. Oh, yeah. And his brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I just, I, I like Bill Sadler in anything. I mean, a movie can suck, but Bill Sadler will still give you something good. I mean, granted, Bill and Ted, uh, you know, Go to Hell doesn't suck. Uh, and I just, you can, you can tell he's having a ball. They gave me a Melvin. Um, I like, I like Socrates a lot. I think he's, yeah. he's, he's very lovable. He's, you know, out of his depth, but he's having a fun time. Like he, and, he and Billy, Mr. The Kid, bond right away. And they also bond in, in making fun of uh, Sigmund Freud, and they just, he seems to be like along for the ride and, and ready to do whatever he, whatever is needed. Oh, when they want to pick up chicks in the mall, yeah. that's like one of the best scenes in the, the whole movie. <laughs> for me, it's definitely uh, it's definitely Rufus, but I have to say honorable mention to Jane Wheelan uh, yeah. for for I mean Joan of Arc in the mall is is just <laughs> it is an absolute delight uh, watching her performance. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's hard for me to pick one, but I'm just going to riff off of uh, what Felicity was saying and talk about Billy the Kid because I love the fact that he slides into the whole like thing like so easily, and he's like, "Come on, Socrates," and you know, he's just like, he's just like, "Hey, yeah, you know, I'm with Bill, you know, Bill and Ted, and this is the way things are," and you know, it's just totally effortless. Yeah, and they stage the rescue together. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, my favorite character is also death, and it's almost entirely because of don't overlook my butt. I work out like all the time, and reaping burns a lot of calories. I, I, I don't know why. There's always just one thing about you know right before they melt me. Your shoe, your, your shoe's untied. Oh, it's like dude, you're barefoot. You know, it's just a, you, know, you can see them. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just love the game sequence. Yeah. Like, seven out of ten, down straight! Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, you does not lose. <laughs> or does not lose well. Yes. <laughs> but again, it's little moments like that. I mean, as a cohesive whole, both movies are have such great little moments that sometimes it doesn't all hang together very well but there's the, the they hang together well enough that you just keep watching and you go back to it mm-hmm. um, so Beth what's your like your favorite sequence either movie oh, that's so hard I know but you gotta pick your baby <coughs> I think it would probably have to be the rescue sequence mm-hmm. I know it gets a little over the top with the, the running through the police station but it, it's like a getting the band back together. We've got to go rally and save everything, and it, it makes the end of the movie happen. Nathan? I think my favorite is the is the report. I don't know if that's cheating to pick that one, but no. that's the that's that that is so ostentatious. It is so over the top and is so well written that even though it's this stupid movie about these two losers in high school, 
they really like came up with some clever ways of using the historical characters and the things that, like Freud's analyzing Bill. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, he's analyzing minor Ted, Oedipal. and then like Bill's just like, I just got a minor Oedipal complex. You don't need to do me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then that snap back to learn exactly learn about stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you would go through this whole movie thinking Bill would have no idea what that even meant. Yeah, and then yeah. to have him just like so easily be like, yeah, I know, I, I know myself, yeah, well, you know. Well, of the two, Bill is the intellectual. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, everything from that to, wa- to, to Napoleon, because he's been to the water park called yeah. Waterloo, wanting to do the Battle of Waterloo to establish a water park. And, you know, just all that is so cleverly done. I love it. I actually have to echo what he said. That's also my favorite uh, moment from that. And here's the thing. Like, I'm... For, for my work, I have to do, like, presentations many times a week, and I will never, ever do a presentation that even approaches <laughs> that. And I think this is, like... I think this is the secret fear that anyone who does public speaking for a living has. And uh, also, I, it was really interesting to me because... <laughs> a kind of personal anecdote my brother was super dumb when he was in high school <laughs> and he watched this movie and this movie like the report inspired him to become a better student and he, <laughs> he, <laughs> and he became a teacher because of <laughs> which is so ridiculous to me but like he turned his life around because of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay? So random. But he was super dumb, and then he got smart in his senior year of high school because of watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He's like, I need to really focus on my studies now. So, good job, Bill and Ted. I just, I love the whole mall sequence, and then just you know, how quickly it goes downhill. You know, they're, they're all at this very enthusiastic point. You're like, oh, wow, they're, they're really getting it, you know. Beethoven's mm-hmm. really enjoying himself. Everyone's really enjoying himself. And then I, I think it's when um, someone tries to take Lincoln's costume back. Yes. And then, every, then you see, like, like everything goes Oh, no, 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 they want there. the fake beard. Like, oh, give me yes. the fake beard and the head. And I had my beard. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the, yeah, the descent into, oh, no, everything's gone wrong. <laughs> Talking first film or second film? Either film. Well, in a, in a way, it's actually both films. Uh, I love anything where they're basically hanging a lantern on the ridiculousness of time travel. You know, it's like, you know, Denomalos is like, well, the, you forgot <laughs> that I went back and didn't know, but we, you know, and it's like they're just hanging a lantern on the thing, you know, well, to get out of this, we got to remember to do this. And it's just, you know, it's just talking about how ludicrous time travel can be sometimes. You know, it's like the kind of stuff that Stephen Moffat, I think, yeah, he even mentioned I was one just time. He, he sort of took what they did with Bill and Ted because when he did The Curse of Fatal Death, you know, all the stuff they're doing playing on Doctor Who and time travel tropes and stuff like that. It's just the thought that went into these things about making it ludicrous, but making it logical ludicrous, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's why I love that sequence of you know, breaking in. It's like, okay, you gotta remember to go back and put the keys here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here they are. <laughs> Whoa, I did steal my dad's keys. <laughs> <laughs> that and when they run into each other. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, but see, see, that's a good we... use of that time travel trope, though, because they set up the keys through the, the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, the whole thing. Where are my keys? What have you done? I didn't do anything with your keys. You know, and then it's like, oh, I really did steal his keys. That's beautiful. Well, you know, it's, it's the whole Chekhov's gun thing. I mean, if, if there's a reference, if there's something referenced in the script like that, a good writer, that it's there for a reason, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. All right, so... Of the two movies, if you had to pick one, we know your answer. You like the second. (laughs) 
when we're up, so we'll go down. Um, I didn't get a chance to rewatch the second before this panel, but I think I'd have to go with the second as well. I think it's just, you know, you can't call either one of these films high concept, really. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I just remember you being so mind. tickled by the whole game sequence with Death, you know, yeah. knowing about where, you know, what the reference was to the Bergman film, yes. and with Max von Sydow, by the way, and uh, just loving that, loving how it escalates, you know, like you said, that's seven out of ten. Damn right! And they wind up with Death's sticky foot in their face playing <laughs> Twister. <laughs> well, I'm actually going to re re not really revise my answer, but I'm going to modify it. Right now, I don't know which one is my favorite. Oh, we still oh. have. Well, we, well, have, we have, have not seen three. Uh, we have not seen three. Of, well, I said of the two. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Yes, thank you, Emily. This is a super like Sophie's Choice moment here <laughs> because the second one, it really is just like okay, this movie was an unexpected hit, made a lot of money. Let's make it as crazy as we possibly can and throw stuff in there and just make it more inventive. Uh, and so I think in terms of ambitiousness, the second one wins, but I still think the first one is my favorite just in terms of, you know, making, it's, it's a lame excuse, but because it's the one that made me fall in love with the characters in the mm -hmm. first place. I think the second one is a better film, but the first one is my favorite. The first one is transformative. You were just telling us. Yes. <laughs> uh, for me, it's the first one. Um, I really love the time travel aspect and the gathering of the different historical figures and all of that and how they all interplay off each other. So it's like, yeah, the second movie goes into some weird places and they definitely take a lot more, you know, liberties and, and try to push the envelope. But uh, but my love's always going to be that first one. Unless Face the Music proves me wrong, which I'm happy with. Well, look at it real quick. Look at it this way. At least they didn't do the same thing in the second. Movie. Right? No, and I get that. I get that. Area, I, I you know? do get that, and that is that is a brief. We have to do a math report. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's our college history report now. When the second one initially came out, I did not love it. I'm not going to lie. Um, I thought the station was a kind of silly thing, and it didn't look great. So I liked the first one better completely when it first came out. Um, it has grown on me a lot over the years, so I've, I've warmed up to the second one, obviously, much, much more, but the first one is still always going to be my favorite. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a Star Wars and Empire question, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this kind of, no. Um, so, since we've already talked to touched a little bit on the third one, what are you hoping to see in the third one? I mean, we know the basic gist is things didn't go as planned, and now it's their daughters. Mm -hmm. Beth, what are you hoping that they, I mean, or do you just want them to surprise you? I, I actually had one note made for what I want for the third one. I want Missy to be married to death. <laughs> She's gonna be married to somebody different in this one, so might as might as well give Death a lady. No, what, do we know if they did, did they get Missy back? I, She's I listed her. in the cast. Oh, cool. oh okay. yeah, they did. And they just finished wrapped filming. What was it yesterday? No, it was yeah. a week, week or so ago. Yeah. 
I'm just happy we're getting it. Yeah. There were so many years where we were being told, this is coming, this is coming, and I was like, okay, clickbait, article, whatever. Yeah, I believe you know. it when I see it. Yeah, I believe it when I and, see and it. It's, and it's almost happened so many times. Too, right. You know. And that's the thing. I mean, I think it's Keanu Reeves is going through another renaissance in his career, yeah. and I think yeah. that now that this is his passion project, and so he's able to get things through on just his, uh, on just his name. Well, you uh, going to tell Mr. Wick he can't have his movie? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Any actor but makes things happen. But I'm happy that they have George Carlin's daughter involved. You know, because I yes. think that that'll make you know a nice touchstone to things. And honestly, I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts about the movie. I have some ideas of where they might go with it. But you know, as long as there's some fun time travel shenanigans. And they don't mire it in grim dark, you know, like yeah. we didn't save the world. It's everything sucks. I don't think they're gonna go yeah, there. Yeah, that's but, the biggest thing I don't want. Right. Let's not go dark. For right. God's sake. But uh, but yeah, all that I want is the time travel shenanigans. The uh, the only the only thing I really don't want from this movie is I really hated the way they depicted uh, Marty McFly in Back to the Future Two as like really like broadly buffoonish oh, yeah. old, unhip old guy I, I hate that it's just so lame and easy to do that and I, I'd like to see them be like like you know obviously like kind of like burnouts or failures but do it in a realistic way that draws are funny yeah. yeah like the funny like of, of like when you see like an aging hippie who hasn't let it go and it's kind of sad but funny at the same time like that's how I wanted to be instead of like broad like look at how wacky my terrible clothes are you know that kind of thing well that, that was part of the shtick of back to the future anyway I yeah mean, uh, and and plus you know that was the darkest timeline marty that was oh, yes that's marty, true you know? that's true yeah i haven't given it a lot of thought because um as nathan said it was you know there was a lot of time when it was just seemed like clickbait mm -hmm. and so i haven't really given myself a, a chance to to think about it and really look forward to it although i, I definitely am so um i just want it to surprise me I'm just looking for, you know, witty dialogue, fun situations, and for it to not suck. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, comedies are hard. And, you know, there have been so many times where they've, you know, gone back to the well for, you know, for things, the comedies that they shouldn't have, you know. Um, and I, I, just, I just want this one to live up to the first two. You know? Yeah. And if, and if it can, be, be better. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to crib a line from Peter David when someone asked him what he was expecting out of, I think it was Enterprise. He's like, geeks are easy to please. All that we ask is that it doesn't suck. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much where I'm at for it. I want the movie to just not, just don't suck. Don't, don't. It'll never. I, I people love to say this movie ruined my, you know, it ruined my childhood or it ruined this. Like, no, it's still there. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure will still be there, even if this movie is bad, and I can still enjoy it. Problem with a lot of those people is, you know, they grew up, but the films didn't. You know, yeah. the films were pitched for somebody. You know, they were the perfect age that movies were made for when those movies were made. They are no longer that age. Mm -hmm. Things affect them differently, and so the people who are the age that they were in those first came out love the new stuff. I'm, you know, it's just that's just the way it is. Yeah, something I want to, on that note, something unrelated, but that I want to point out really did an amazing job of translating something that was made at the time for people of a certain age and kind of aged along with the audience is Cobra Kai. Yeah. Yes. Series based yes. on Karate Kid. That's amazingly good. 
that that has no right to be as good as it is. And I think like exactly. I, I I think what it is is like the creative team on that show, which were the uh, Harold and Kumar guys, really grew up with affinity for for that project, and that's why it turned out so well. By having like Solomon uh, returning to this. He knows, to Bill and Ted, he knows, like, this world. He's been living with this world throughout all the false starts of trying to get this project off the ground. So because of that extra time, I really don't have any doubt that it's going... I, I think it's it's absolutely not going to pull a Anchorman 2 on us. I think it's it's going to be... I, th I think it's going to be very much, like, in the spirit and very entertaining. But as much as... Uh, the second one was different from the first one. This is going to be unlike anything we've seen before. That excites me. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one thing that you don't have a lot of time with these. You know, not, this is not really a reboot, but you have the original creators doing this. This is not some people saying, oh, this is how I think they would have done it. No, this is how the guys who created the characters want to do it. So that's what I want to see. I don't want, yeah. to, I don't want to see... You know, I don't want to see the um, Will Ferrell, Adam McKay version of Bill and Ted. I want to see, I want to see Solomon <laughs> Matheson. Right. That just hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as it's not a, a lost uh, land of the lost or chips situation. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, trying to think of another question. We, we I expected us to talk longer about how cool Rufus was. Uh, anybody <laughs> in the audience have any uh, questions? Throw a hand. Uh, we'll start with this handsome man here. It looks like he might be a musician. So, so like, um, there were a, a, a bunch of, like, 80s movies, like, when I was a kid and stuff. And, you know, um, I, I, I watched a cartoon first, right? Yeah. You know, and um, I got hooked on, on the cartoon. And, like, like I would go to, like, the 7-Eleven with a Circle K dude, and I'd, I'd, get, I'd get splashy. And I'd want to be like that. Like, the cartoons, like, really, really got me that you know me. Well, thanks for yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of this is how embarrassed their friend is. I was wondering if like, any of you dudes out there like, watched the cartoon first and then later on saw the movie. That, oh my god. This oh, you want to talk about the real ghost Michael syndrome? <laughs> there was a cartoon. He actually raises a good question. Did anybody. I, did, I don't think anybody up here saw the cartoon first, but what do you. I haven't seen the cartoon at all, actually. Yeah, I've never seen the cartoon. I've seen the live-action Fox show, though. Yeah, I, I knew it existed. I just never saw yeah. it. I saw but the cartoon first. You saw the cartoon first? Yeah. Uh, what'd you think? Did it hook you to watch the movie? It actually did. I uh, wanted to see where it started from. Okay. It's fun. It's, fun. Uh, it's, actually, it's actually a real syndrome. There are kids growing up who think that the real Ghostbusters are the real Ghostbusters. And then, because there's an episode that Joe Stravinsky wrote where they see the making of Ghostbusters the movie, and they think that's the way it happened, that Ghostbusters <laughs> the movie is the adaption of the real Ghostbusters. You know, they don't, you know, they don't realize the time frame here because they grew up watching the show every week and they'd see that episode. They weren't allowed to watch the movie. You know? I, I saw the real Ghostbusters first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You, right there. Uh, so obviously there are some great Bill and Ted cosplayers in this room. Uh, in your up to 30 years as a Bill and Ted fan, what is the best Bill and Ted related cosplay that you have seen? Well, there, there was, there was. There was there <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, seen, I've seen Robot Bill and Ted, and that was amazing. About, about 10 years ago, I saw a group that literally it was Robot Bill and Ted. Uh, it was Station. 
both big and nice. little, a death, a Rufus, wow. and I forget who else, but I mean, there was just this group of like 10 people doing every character, and it was just like, mm. God damn. <laughs> That's dedication. There was an amazing station at New York Comic Con last year that was just studio quality. <laughs> I, I do remember seeing the good robot S's at some point, mm -hmm. and they were pretty awesome. Yeah. I think you're next, and then over there, and then back there. So you first. All right, so between the two films, which do you think had the better soundtrack? Ooh. Number one. Second one? Second. No, I go with the first just because, um, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a little thing that probably none of you probably, I don't want to say picked up on, but it's just, or care. Uh, but. Uh, it's just, as an editor, I love the intro to the first Bill and Ted, but I guess it's just something about that pumping, you know, you know, and it's just the way everything is timed and edited. It, it, it's just this little film editor neepery thing that I have that I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it until just now, but I really do like um, the, the Kiss cover of God Gave Rock and Roll. Yeah. I'm I'm a huge huge fan. I'm I don't know who sings it, but the song "In Time" uh, that's from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That song is fantastic. The reason you don't know who it is because they're all no-name artists. They were all like local California okay. bands cool. for Excellent Adventure, with the exception of Extreme. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, all but so they were all bands that nobody heard about because low budget. They didn't have a lot of money to put the soundtrack together. So they were like, hey, we've got all these great hair metal bands in LA. But that's like a great a like 80s band. power pop <laughs> anthem song that's like, I can do it. You know, it's one of those pop songs like right up there with the touch. Yeah. 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 And Beth, you said the second one, I believe? Uh, the second one mostly because of uh, not only featuring Jim Martin, but using a Faith No More song as well. Uh, so that, that's why it gets top for me. First movie for me. Yeah, same. All right, so no, although I, I will say that... Um, yeah, I love. I collect movie soundtracks, and the uh, the score, the actual soundtrack score for the second one, is a better score than the first one. And more money. That's true. <laughs> yes, sir. In the hat. Uh, so Orlando area resident, uh, Universal does Halloween Horror Nights every year, and they used huh? to do a Bill and Ted show, a live show every year. Oh. So man. About two years ago, they decided to put it on hiatus and did a farewell tour. Do you think with the new movie come out, they may bring back? Show. They'd be fools this, not to. Yeah, they'd be, yeah. This, that amphitheater's gone now, though. Oh. oh it it sacrifices itself to, to the wizarding world. Mm. Not yet. Right. No, we have some seats up front still there. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah. Factory yeah. Theater still? Okay. Oh, it's still there. Yay, it's still there. <laughs> could I, could I just, uh, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, but we're like, we're a year out from the from the film. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that's probably a conversation somebody <laughs> needs to have, but they would be fools not to do that. I think um, we should do a Bill and Ted house. Bill and Ted House yes. would be great. <laughs> Especially because, okay, here's a little, uh, there's a friend of mine, uh, Ryan Cadaver, who likes to go every year. Beth knows this guy. Uh, he was talking about, I think it was last, it was not either last year or the year before, they did a Halloween one for the new movie coming out. And they had a different Michael Myers, but they looked like it was the same Michael Myers who was always popping up, so it was like he was chasing you. Mm -hmm. uh, they great. could do, yo, Bill and Ted, here's Bill and Ted. Here's Bill, here's Ted, here's Bill, here's Bill, here's Bill. Here's Bill. I think it definitely do something like that. Run. Different time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the Street Fighter in the back. What historical figures do you want to see represented in the third that weren't in the previous two movies? Ooh. Well, a lot of that depends on the story of the third. We don't know what they're going to do for it. I mean, there might not be historical. I mean, 
I, I don't know. If they try, if they travel back to the '80s to fix it, that they didn't become big, they could grab '80s personalities. Weirdo. Oh yeah. Yeah, weirdo. And it ties in with the music theme. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. The biggest fall of twine in Minnesota is the song. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I can't. No, no one comes to mind. Yeah. Right now, we're too much in vague land. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because literally, I mean, all, all that, you know, I don't want them to go to that well again. It's like Death Star 2. I mean, you, you know, do something new. Uh, I mean, have time travel, sh time travel shenanigans, but you don't have to have historical figures to do that. But you Let, could also use historical wait. figures and not do the same Kidnaps. thing they did. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there might be something they do with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's different. Uh, yes, ma'am. So, um, not historical figures, but like Father Time and stuff like that. When you oh, it, it expanding on going with death. And, yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. If anyone didn't hear Father Time. Or maybe some other personal uh, personifications of things. That would be interesting. Hmm. I would think that Father Time's probably a little mad at them for screwing with his. Yeah. <laughs> Stop kicking over my plants. <laughs> Stop messing up my plants. Yeah. Uh, I see, time had, is a garden. I had this world scripted out. Uh, who told you to improvise? <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the chair. Yes. Mm. Mm -hmm. right. uh, um, you. Usually, one generation sort of rebels against the, the previous one. So, what do you think would happen if Bill and Ted's daughters, if they're the main characters of the story, completely straight laced and <laughs> doing nonsense people? And Bill and Ted have to make them, you know, surf or do black at late. <laughs> if they're straight up preppies, or that would be weird. <laughs> I would love to. That could very well be the plot. Yeah, <laughs> I, that could, yeah. I think that would be that would be funny to see. Yeah, wait, they have daughters? I thought they had little Bill and little Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could always confuse me. This is an alternate timeline. <laughs> <laughs> Are they could have had more kids? Yep. <laughs> that will be explained in Bill and Ted four. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone know what's going on with the uh, princesses? Because they, they they changed the actresses between the two movies. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's like. That was very obvious to me. Right. Yeah. Well, though they even had a comment in the second movie, it was like, they don't even look the same anymore, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. It, the movie does need to be just as self-aware as the first two. Yeah. Yes. So, so sticking to that, that whole time travel kind of theme, do you prefer the more, I don't know what to necessarily call it, I would maybe call it a little campy version of being able to affect time travel and, and time that Bill and Ted has, or the more like serious implications of Back to the Future? Would you prefer to see something yep. more like that? Th okay, that's actually a good question. I'm kind of spin it a little differently, but um, anyone who couldn't hear me was asking, do, you, do we prefer like the, the campy, crazy, kind of loose time travel, or the these are the rules and we're going to sit here and diagram with straws for 20 minutes? Loose. <laughs> And for me, it depends on the story. For Bill and Ted, I do not want a, we put too much thought into this. I want it to be fun. And, a romp. And a romp. And it just, you know, well, why? Because time travel. Why? Because Doctor Who. <laughs> I want it packed with as much nonsense as possible. Yeah, that and, and get yeah. one with the uh, multiverse. Theory, yeah. The branching timeline <laughs> concept. 
But uh, how about you? Yeah, it definitely is going to depend on, on the plot for me. Like, you know, a more serious movie, you want it to be more rigid about time travel. And, uh, but here I just, yeah, I want it to be as goofy as possible. So what are your thoughts in regard to how they ended the second one with, I mean, all of the, like, clips of what they were, you know, like their future of what they were doing? Because, I mean, they make that out as if, this is like this big epic experience that everybody has now experienced. And then suddenly, it's beyond that we lost our 10 minutes of fame. Like they obviously had, or 15 minutes of fame, they obviously would have had an extensive, you know, more than just going viral, you know, kind of interaction in order to have all of those things at the end of the second one. Or, I mean, I question if they're gonna completely disregard that ending or uh, how that's going to play in, because if they're slackers in the third, you just kind of have to wonder how they would go from it being a massive, huge cultural phenomenon that they're involved with to suddenly slackers. I think we're just going to have to trust them to, right now, uh, trust them to do the right thing. Or, or just, if they come up with a great story that works around that, I'm, I'm good with that. I mean, I just want them to tell a good story, you know? But we don't know. Yeah. I would find it believable still that like maybe it worked for a while and Rufus you know Rufus came back in time from a time where everything looked perfect but then things happen and things don't always work out in the long term or maybe this is an alternate time I mean this this someone has changed time I mean and they they have to somehow time has to be fixed you know who knows um, but you know someone another denominos or somebody could have gone back and tried to fix change things again or who knows um, I'm willing to wait and see. Come back, Tori. Yeah. I am really looking forward to when we finally get our first trailer and get an idea of what's happening. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, you had your hand up, and then we'll do you. I'm just curious. Uh, obviously, times have changed since the 80s, and phone booths aren't a thing anymore. Do you think they'll use that as the time machine? Or the I hope so. They, yeah. They've already posted yeah. photographs of, of, yeah. the of the time machine, oh, okay. so it's in there. Yeah. Now it's a cell phone. hilarious if the kids go, but Dad, there's an app. Uh. <laughs> oh, please, God, let there be a time travel app. <laughs> yeah, I imagine they just kind of kept it in their garage or something. Uh, and, right. And, but yeah, maybe the kids are like, what the hell is that? I fully expect there'll be a joke about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 but, but it's not true because I saw a phone booth, like, just like a year ago. They're still around. Oh, yeah. Still look like Sasquatch. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> what the hell's a phone booth? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> What's a VHS tape? So, somebody over here, I forget who it was. Yes. Um, so, you mentioned that George Carlin's daughter was involved in yes. the production of the... Yes. That was actually the first I've heard of this. So is she actually like she's actress in it in the movie? As far as I know, she's in it. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think she is going to take the Rufus role in the movie. Like uh, you know, like maybe even playing Rufus's daughter. I, I don't know exactly what her character is going to be, but yeah, that's my understanding. I really just hope this movie has like a nice tribute to Carlin. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm sure, I'm sure it will. <laughs> well, yeah. If they, if they got his daughter to come yeah. in the movie, I'm pretty sure they're going to do something with that. All right, so we're winding down on Sandina's time. Um, <laughs> Beth, is there anything that you wanted to say about the movie that you haven't had a chance to say yet that you're just, you were like, I came here to make sure we talk about this? You know, I, I think I've covered it fairly well. Um, my feelings about the movies have changed a lot over the years because when I was a pubescent girl, many <laughs> different yeah. reasons for going to see a Keanu Reeves movie <laughs> <laughs> than now, although, you know, 
The appreciation of the movies is different, though. So I, I appreciated the comedy at the time, but I appreciate it much, much more now. And I actually just rewatched both movies two weeks ago to get ready for this, and they're still hysterical. They still stand up, um, and I think that third one's going to be fantastic. And if it's not, somebody's going to pay. Right <laughs> <laughs> in the streets. I don't know the name of the actor who played Napoleon, but that man really deserves like a little, you know, shout out because uh, the way that he played him as such this like, you know, vain, pompous guy. He's moving people out of the line at the water yeah. park just so that he can get on there. You know, it's just I don't know. I just really appreciate what they did with all the historical figures. We haven't mentioned Napoleon yet, and I wanted to do that. And of course, the fact that the water park is named Waterloo's like they tickled me back then, and it still tickles me because it's such a funny joke. I just, more than anything else in the world right now, I want everyone to leave this panel just chanting, Ziggy, <laughs> just right through the Marriott until you go to wherever you are. A hundred plus people in unison doing that as you exit. Yeah. Um, like, like Nathan, I wanted to shout out Napoleon because I, I love uh, how he goes from like terrified to go down the water slide. Right. Like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> right. and well, I, who wouldn't have that? Yeah, you bring somebody right. forward from history, yeah. you bring it to a water park. It's like, this is amazing. And also, like, you know, uh, I think it's Ted's younger brother who's just like, let's ditch him. Napoleon's <laughs> 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 <is> a dick. <laughs> I, I, w I wish I could pop this up on screen, but there's a picture of uh, Solomon and Matheson and Keanu Reeves and uh, Witter in, in the phone booth. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he posted this on Twitter. Uh, to coin a phrase, I just want the movie to be excellent. <laughs> to us. <laughs> As we should all be excellent to each other. Everybody, I hope you had a great, excellent time at the panel here. You have been listening to the 42 Cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.